This guy is recording now. Okay, hmm. let's begin. How do I begin? I will begin by saying that I um my welcomes. Okay, so um, hello and welcome to our audience. Um, I can try again. Okay, so I'm gonna pause it and try again. Oh, okay, so. Hello and welcome to everyone. I hope you're doing very well today. As you can tell, today's podcast is about the Colombian Exchange. A weird name, obviously. Unfamiliar as well. Colombian Exchange, what does that even mean? Well, our story today goes from a very long time ago. And it's ending, or where it ends, it actually ends in your kitchen with the potatoes and the tomatoes that you have. So, Colombian exchange, it's about food, it's about plants, it's about the new world, and it's about the old world. But before we go into details, we're gonna start from the bottom. We're gonna start from the 15th century before all exploration happened. And that will slowly climb and will reach the eventual point, which is the kitchen obviously so let's begin now our story begins in the 15th century africa and europe what was happening it was the usual times wars happening trade but mostly wars so in the mediterranean basin there was a growing power called the ottoman empire it was meant to grow very strong, and it was destined to rule over Anatolia, over the Egypt, and mostly the Balkans as well. So this growing power, called the Ottoman Empire, was willing to increase its sphere of influence, and something very interesting happened during that period, during the 15th century, which was the iconic fall of the Eastern Roman Empire. It was the fall of Constantinople. And it was later named Istanbul, as we know it today. So during that period, Mahmud II liberated, or conquered, the city of world's desire, as they called it during the time. Constantinople was a very big city. And what was more interesting about it, the fact that it was a trade center and that most trade that arrived from the Silk Road went through the city of Constantinople. Now, I mentioned Silk Road. Silk Road is a very old trade route between Asia and Europe. It went through Arabia, it went through Anatolia, it went through Persia and all of these roads. And eventually, it was a very lucrative business. People or merchants used to grow, used to ride these, this Silk Road, and they made a lot of profit, a ton of profit, actually. So let's go back to Constantinople, because the fall of that city changed the situation. It changed the status quo forever in the Mediterranean, because, as you can tell, the Ottoman Empire grew in influence and grew in power, and now it had a major fleet. And now it controlled trade. 
when you control trade, you can obviously piss off your enemies. And as you can tell, the Ottoman Empire was not really liked by the Christian uh, nations, mostly Castile and Aragon and Portugal, France and Austria and all of these nations. They were pissed at what the Ottoman Empire was doing. It was conquering Christian land and they were very displeased. So the Ottoman Empire so they're unlike their anger and they just embargoed these nations they decided to control the trade they raised tariffs they raised the price of goods and it left europe in increasing prices for goods that they once acquired cheaply we can mention spices and um, silk or uh, porcelain all these things that came from asia now where they had to pay more for it. And why? Because the Ottoman Empire decided so. This thing or this event changed everything in Europe because now Europeans were trying to find a way around Africa. They were trying to find a way to Asia without passing through the Silk Road. And how would you do that? You would do that with ships, with sails and all these things and although during the period the technology the, the naval technology was not very advanced but this event pushed them to advance their technologies when it comes to naval or maritime exploration so portugal the uh, nation that was leading during the time in maritime uh, maritime technology they tried to circumnavigate Africa and find a way to India and Asia. But the thing is, during the time, people did not know what was under Africa. They only knew that there was North Africa, but beyond that, they did not really know what was beyond, right? So, what the first explorer of Portugal called Henry the Navigator, what he did was explore Western Africa. He found the Ivory Coast. He he stumbled upon many actually interesting places. He knew that the people at Africa, they traded ivory from elephants. They, he, he could even trade multiple things with the Africans and receive plenty in return. So Henry the Navigator paved way for exploration and his major steps declared or started the age of exploration. This age of exploration began in the 15th century and would not end till the 18th century or even beyond. Because this sense of exploration, this desire to know what's in the world, paved road for exploring the new world. But before we go to the new world, let's talk of an iconic person and let's leave, like, mention all the ones as well. Now, there's a person called Vasco da Gama, also a Portuguese. Okay, coincidence? No, not really. The Portuguese were really loving exploration. So Vasco da Gama led the first fleet around Africa to India. He was the first European to make it to India, sailing all by himself. Usually, during the period, Europeans, when they wanted to travel to Asia or things like that, they would go through Arabia, they would go through the Silk Road, and reach their destination but Vasco da Gama found a way 
to sail around Africa all the way down to Capi Good Hope, Capi of Good Hope. And he reached India and he even went back with good deals as well. So this major step defined history because soon after or soon during the period, we can mention a new explorer and we can call him Christoph Columbus. This is the iconic name that you're familiar with, mostly. Not Vasco da Gama or not Henry the Navigator, but Christoph Columbus. Because this Genoan fellow, he was a Genoan, he was an Italian. And this Genoan fellow knew or noticed what the Portuguese were up to. He knew that they were trying to find routes around Africa. And he was like, hey, I can help you. I am a good Italian sailor and I can help you. But the thing is, he was rejected by the Portuguese. He was told to go away and because they were really doing their things and they did not want any intruders. So the Portuguese rejected Christoph Columbus. And what did Christoph Columbus do? Well, he went to Spain. Now, Spain was in a very peculiar situation at that moment during the 15th century. It just reconquered the lost territories of Andalusia, because during that period we knew that Granada or the Emirate of Granada was the last bastion of Islam in the Iberian Peninsula. And what happened is that um, the Spaniards or the Castilians and the Aragonese uh, went with something called the Reconquista or Reconquista. The Reconquista was an event that defined reconquering the lands of Iberians. So they did. They finally united Iberia. And not just so, and they formed something called the Castilian-Aragonese marriage, or the Iberian marriage, which defined the nation that we know as Spain. It's Spain, Spain. So Spain, or Hispaniola, however you would choose to call it, Spain was finally something was created. And Spain also saw what Portugal was doing with the exploration. So they were trying to join the party because it was very lucrative. It was very profitable. And the Spaniards really saw profit in it as well. But here's the thing. When, when they saw the things that Vasco da Gama did, and Henry the Navigator, they wanted to go an extra step. Okay, they wanted to go further. And what do we mean by further? They wanted to circumnavigate not Africa, but the entire world. Okay, here's the thing. They wanted to circumnavigate the entire world. And based on whose ideas? Well, who's, obviously it was based on the ideas of Christopher Columbus, because he was the one who said that we can go around the world to reach India and Asia. So. They went with him, they offered him ships, unlike the Portuguese who rejected him. They, they offered him ships, and they told him, here you go. You will have to serve the king and queen, and you will have to show us gold. You will have to bring the profits of this, of this uh, Asia or whatever. But the thing is, we know, based on history, that Christoph Columbus eventually discovered new land. That was not on the map. That was not marked on the map. And what initially 
Well, what initially Christopher Columbus thought, he thought that he was landing on an island in Asia. So this is a funny situation because he didn't really know that it was India until uh, he, was, he didn't know that it was like the New World, America, as we know it today, until it was too late, like years into it. So let's go with the story as it began, okay? So Christoph Columbus started his journey from Iberia, from Spain, and he rode in his three ships or four, I don't remember the number, but he went westwards. Okay, westwards. He went westwards towards the unknown, somehow to find himself in Asia, but he didn't. What happened is that he found an island, and he landed on the Caribbean. It was the first uh, series of islands he landed on. And he soon realized that it was not really Asia, it was something else. And soon, with time, something happened that we call the Colombian Exchange, based on his name. You see this title of the whole thing? It's based on Columbus's name, Colombian Exchange. So what is this Colombian Exchange? What does it mean? Well, it means an exchange of culture. It means an exchange of products, of plants, of things, of practices, of traditions. And this exchange did not happen until something else happened. Okay, so Christopher Columbus eventually died. Well, eventually died after his exploration, but he left a legacy, okay? He left a legacy of exploration and colonization because the Caribbean was colonized. It, was, it became, um, it became a, um, a colonial nation under Spain, under the Spanish Empire. And what happened after that is that some people started showing up. They, they were called conquistadors, and they were as the name implies, conquerors and fighters and so on. So these conquistadors, they were kind of like explorers. They would roam the Americas, practices, document, and even talk to the locals and try to negotiate, make deals with them. And the locals were natives. We call them natives. They were, they were people who were living there during the time. So it's an interesting point to mention that in the Americas, they were humans living there as well. Obviously that. But how did they get there? And how did they forget? Or how did the old world forget about the new world? Because if you go to Africa or Asia or Europe, they did not know that humans were living on this supercontinent called America. They did not know. So when did they forget about them? Or how did they forget about them? It's goes back to long, 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 long history, long ago, when humans first emerged in Africa and they traveled across the world, they found a bridge between Asia and America. It was a icy bridge, because during that period, it was the Ice Age. So when they crossed this bridge, it melted down eventually. So these humans, they were separated from the, from the people they were part of. Okay. So these humans lived to thrive in the Americas and they lived to produce or to give rise to these empires like the Aztec Empire, the Incan Empire, the uh, all these things. They 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 had their own culture, they had their own philosophy, they had their own traditions. And it's interesting to look at because when the Europeans finally 
rejoiced or finally met with the other humans who were the natives. They were kind of primitive in such a way. They were underdeveloped. They were technologi technologically inferior. How is that? Because when the Spaniards or the conquistadors arrived in those islands or those cities that they had, they were with gunpowder. They had cannons. They had huge ships with sails. And the natives had none of that. They had absolutely none of that. They didn't even have, have the wheel, right? They didn't even have the wheel. So it's interesting to look at because, as you can tell, when you are facing an, an inferior uh, inferior um, group, obviously you can endure, you, are, you have the possibility to, um, to bully them, okay, without consequences because you're stronger than them. And what's that's what the conquistadors did. They they tricked the natives against each other, and they went to the Aztec Empire. It was a huge empire. It was its capital was as big as it was bigger than the European cities or even the cities of Asia and all of that. It was there was a city called Tenochtitlan, and this Tenochtitlan was once called the Venice of the new world. So Tenochtitlan was a huge city. It harbored more than 500,000 people. And it had cities, it had like it had roads and had all of these things. And we don't actually see the remnants of it today because the city actually collapsed, completely collapsed. And how did it collapse? Because the, the conquistadors turned those people against each other and they completely ravaged the city. And uh, it's, meant, it's good to mention that the Europeans, when they finally explored the New World, <clears throat> they brought diseases with them. Smallpox or uh, like the plague and all these things that they were immune to, they brought it with them. Well, not intentionally, of course, but, <clears throat> but they did it. Um, they did it by mistake. And that mistake cost them a lot of lives because... When the disease, smallpox, started ravaging the natives, it destroyed cities, it collapsed empires, it collapsed kingdoms. It basically destroyed everything that the New World accomplished, and it paved way for the Europeans to reap the fruits of their success by just conquering all those lands and uh, under the name of Spain, under the king and then queen of Spain. So it was easy to reconquer those lands, to conquer those lands. It was easy to establish an empire in the new world. And that's what happened. Now, let's go to the main topic, the Colombian exchange. Now, this Colombian exchange, I mentioned that it was an exchange of, of, of like, specially plants. What kind of foods that were exchanged in this uh, event? Well, I can name a few for you. Tomatoes, okay? Corn, potatoes, peanuts, cacao beans, pineapple, pumpkins, tobacco, vanilla, all these things, and pepper as well, and avocado, and sweet potato, and so on. All these things, okay, pay attention to this. All these things did not exist in the old world before the 15th century. Okay, it's hard to imagine. 
but if you would talk about our ancestors in the 14th century 13th century they did not know that something existed called a potato or they did not know anything that resembled a corn or a pineapple or tobacco as well so these things they were very new and this Colombian exchange allowed for these goods or for these plants to travel from the new world the Americas to the new world Europe Africa Asia so <clears throat> it's very interesting okay because how did okay how did the new world have such uh, lucrative plants okay we know that potato changed the world as we know it tomatoes they changed everything the pizza pizza comes from tomatoes we, we, we would not be able to produce a pizza without tomatoes so it kind of revolutionized the world as we know it but how did the new world acquire such um, efficient plants you see the natives of the new world were not as primitive as we think they were as we would call them as some historians call them they were the first genetic engineers of their time because these people these natives they genetically bred the best out of each plant okay potatoes like for for instance uh, wild potatoes that exist in nature that are not domesticated they do not like the one they do do not look like the one that we use today tomatoes they don't even resemble it even like the the wild tomato is toxic it kills it's poisonous right so how did they genetically breed these plants it's an interesting story well we would have to go we would have to go like to south africa uh, america because in south america it it had like it um it's bare it had this and uh, this um technology or however you call it this these practices of selectively breeding the plants that are best okay so that's it like the exchange had like united the new worlds or the new and the world the old world it united these two continents and this unison paved road for a successful okay for successful um successful kingdoms and empires in the old world because who repped the benefits of such things of obviously it was the europeans and these or this act of colonization allowed for the transfer of goods from the new world to the old world so what kind of goods can you talk about silver gold as you can tell the aztecs loved gold they were coating everything in gold they had these cities they had they built these monuments and all these things but the colon the colonizers actually stole all of that simply by just forcing the natives to work for them right so when they forced them to work for them they forced them to mine um they forced them to mine silvers in the south america they forced them to to work for their plantations okay for the sugar plantations and all of that it was 
it was rough for the natives but it was not uh, but it was very profitable for the europeans and they advanced quite a lot by just by just uh, abusing the natives so one of the products that we uh, would like to mention from the this colombian exchange is tobacco how did this thing like how did these explorers go back to the new uh, to the to the old world and show them what they found so during the time when um, when they found a thing called tobacco they already saw the natives using them okay they saw that the natives were smoking tobacco so the explorers did the same and they found that tobacco has a pleasant feel to it if you smoke tobacco it makes you makes you feel good right so they went to the kings and queens to the nobles and they showed them this tobacco so initially all these products that they brought from the new world went directly to the kings and queens and the nobles the um, usually the peasants did not see any of these they did not see the potato they did not see the corns and all of these but they did eventually huh? not long after and when they did this potato or this tomatoes grew to replace wheat it grew to replace many things because potato it yields so much you just plant it anywhere it grows just anywhere it does not need a decent environment it just grows by itself and when they found that very profitable to grow it they started growing them the peasants and like they really enjoyed these new foods that were brought in the new world so it's pretty interesting to to consider like how did these empires shape themselves right we know that the aztecs existed obviously but they were ravaged ravaged they were destroyed utterly destroyed the mayas and there is another one that i did not mention but it was the one that was like breeding all these plants so which one is it so there's the inca there's the maya and there's the um down the mesoamerica i don't know i don't remember the name but i took across to across on me eventually so um okay so the the lands of peru okay the lands of peru in the lands of peru it bore it had a certain empire or a native kingdom that was very successful and um it more or less could resist to the rule of the spain uh, the spanish but eventually it did fail as well so i think that's pretty much it we will drive we if we would go further with it we would say that these tomatoes and these potatoes and these beans uh, that you have in the kitchen had to travel from across the ocean okay it had to travel across the ocean to be here it had to be bred in very old times okay long ago and it had to come passing by the ocean and coming to us eventually so it's a pretty interesting realization to see how much has happened like when the old and the new united but their unison was not very um, pleasant for the second side 
the natives, they did not enjoy the rule of the Europeans, and obviously they have the right to. And this age of exploration eventually paved road to something else, colonialism. The rise of colonialism of the 19th century, when Africa was partitioned. So, yeah, not so fun to talk about, but it's interesting, it's history. It's history that, um, that should be considered, that should be studied, and we should consider more and more about these things, because they make us understand more about our world. Okay, obviously did not know that potatoes were indigenous to the Americas, but now you do. It does not change anything, but it changes the appeal of it. It changes the significance of those plants, because now we know that things had to happen for them to reach your kitchen. Things had to happen long, long ago that we did not live through, and that our ancestors, our very old ancestors, they did not know anything about this or these plants. So it's interesting. Global trade has changed a lot about our world. It allowed for things to move from Asia to Africa and from Africa to America and from America to the whole world. It's a very interesting concept to ponder. And um, I think that is pretty much it. I think that should conclude the topic for today, the Colombian exchange. I hope you learned a few things today about history, about trade, about uh, plants, who knows. And it's good to think about these things from time to time. So I will finalize and I will end this podcast with an advice, which is to learn more. Discover history. It's very important. Not just our history, but the whole world or the world's history, because it matters for all of us. It's not, it's not just our history. It's, it's like the humanity's history. Okay? It's good to know. Even the ones that don't include us. And that's it. Thank you very much. And good night.